Morning. Good morning. Now, welcome to King of Kings this morning. Uh, do we have any first-time visitors who are bold enough to raise your hand? We are, ah, Larry. We got some here. Um, welcome. We have a brochure that explains who we are and what we do here at King of Kings. A um, few brief announcements here. Our next Friday dance is on the 21st. I believe that's this Friday coming up. Um, online giving QR code is available in an insert to use on your smartphone if you would like to give that way. Music jams are on Saturday at 1 p.m. Note here about prayers for Betty Newman. Uh, Betty is uh, doing home hospice right now. I went over and visited with her. Um, she's between worlds. So if you cherished Betty, now be the time to visit her. And also, prayers for Sue as she cares for her because it's a very tough place to be caring for someone, particularly a loved one. Our next mobile food pantry is on November 10th. Um, Oktoberfest is today in Kyle Hall after service. Um, and all are invited. Even if you didn't know about it and you didn't bring a guest and you're a, give, a, 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 a meal to share, there's plenty of food over there, so be our guest. What's that song? Be our guest, be our guest. Yes, please, be our guest. Karaoke will be in Kyle Hall on Friday, October 28th. Um, and the Merry Widow's Lunch will be at Jimmy's Restaurant, which has 6211 Grand Avenue in Newport Ritchie, and that's tomorrow at 1230. Are there any other announcements for the good of our family here? Okay. Oh. Yes, dear. <laughs> I'm being corrected already. And the chocolate. <laughs> I don't think when we send those cards out, we know really how much they mean to people until you're on the receiving end. So they have meant the world to me. And so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Now, before we start our worship, I have one more thing that I want to address. A couple months ago, I made a comment in a sermon that the flag does not belong in the sanctuary. I want to open that up a little bit so for people to understand where that comes from, okay? Because I do not disrespect the flag. I do, in fact, I know the flag protocols about it's not supposed to touch the ground and you take it down at night and you put it up in the morning and you don't use it as an object of clothing and in fact, the, those uh, Blue Lives Matter flags are actually poor protocol, as it is to superimpose an image 
on an American flag of any sort, okay? I do not disrespect the flag, and those who served under this flag, I honor and thank you for your service. But let me give you some history as to why there's a flag, particularly in many Lutheran churches. Over a hundred years ago, when our country entered the First World War, there was a lot of debate as to which side this country would enter on, and we entered on a side that was fighting the Germans. There were also, at that time, congregations, particularly Lutheran congregations, that worshiped in German because that was the native language. They have German language services. I grew up in a congregation like that, that as a child, in fact, until just about 25 years ago, had German language services, okay? So, because there was this question, since you're speaking German and you're worshiping in German, they wanted to make it clear that they were citizens of this country and they backed this country. So they brought flags in and they put them in their sanctuaries. Now, the problem is once you put a flag someplace, it's really hard to take it out without offending somebody, okay? But when I said, the flag does not belong in the sanctuary, I was speaking from a purely theological perspective. Now, I want you to understand that when we come into this space where we worship, there are no Democrats and Republicans. There are no citizens of the United States or foreigners. Every one of us, when we come in here, is a forgiven sinner, forgiven by the grace of God, okay? And in God's presence, the very first commandment states, I am the Lord your God, and you will have no other gods before me. You will not put anything up there that competes with God, that will take our attention from God. It is idolatry. That's why it is the first commandment, because we are so prone to it. And unfortunately, oftentimes symbols like our flag distract us from what our calling as Christians is. Now, I'm not saying, and I didn't say then, that I'm going to make sure that I get that flag out of the sanctuary. Because, as Pastor Gene Vetter asked me one time, as he was walking out, he goes, what do you think about the flag in the sanctuary? My response was, the typical pastor's response, that's not the hill I choose to die on. So, you want the flag there? The flag stays there. I'm not saying take it out. I'm saying, though, from my perspective, as a theologian, as a pastor, it does not belong there. It's up for you to decide whether that distracts you from focusing 100% on God or whether you can ignore it, as many of us would choose to do. In here, we are one person, one people, forgiven sinners, forgiven by the grace of God. In here, we have one God, and no other gods share that stage. That's all I have to say. Now I invite you to stand, and let's begin our worship.
Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who is eager to forgive and who loves us beyond our days. Amen. Dear friends, together let us acknowledge our failure to love this world as Jesus does. God of mercy and forgiveness, we confess that sin still has a hold on us. We have harmed your good creation. We have failed to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Turn us in a new direction. Show us the path that leads to life. Be our refuge and strength on the journey. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend. Amen. Beloved of God, your sins are forgiven and you are made whole. God points the way to new life in Christ who meets us on the road. Journey now in God's abiding love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. O Lord God, 
tireless garden of your people. You are always ready to hear our cries. Teach us to rely daily and night on your care. Inspire us to seek your enduring justice for the suffering world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Be seated. A reading from Genesis. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. Let us read responsibly Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord. The, maker of heaven and earth. the Lord will not let your foot be moved. Nor Behold, the keeper of Israel. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day. Nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve you from all evil. And will keep your life. The Lord will watch over your going out and your coming in. From the sign forth forevermore. A reading from 2 Timothy. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming 
when people will not put up with a sound doctrine, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to Luke, the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told a parable about the near, their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she will not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly, quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. Will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. I see some children today, and I have a children's sermon, so can I invite the children's up? Come on, Dylan, you can come too. I've been saving this one for you. <laughs> How are you feeling? I heard you got a little scare. You had the scare. Okay, I keep getting you too confused. I have to see it. Come on up, Dylan. This is, this is, introduce yourself. This is Kyla and Layla, and this is Dylan. Okay, now. Do you have bathtubs in your house? Do you have a bathtub? Do you have a bathtub in your house, Dylan? You've, you have a bathtub? Do you know we have a bathtub in here? Do you know we have a bathtub in here? We have a bathtub in this room. Do you know where it is? You don't know where it is? Well, it's right here. This is a bathtub. This is the most important bath you've ever gotten. Because you know what this bath does? It washes away all your sins. And you know what? Once it's done, it's done forever. 
It never has to be done again. Okay? So, were you baptized? Do you know if you were baptized? Gigi, she baptized? Okay. Are you baptized? You don't remember it though, do you? You were little. Neither do I. I don't remember my baptism. I was, I think, only two months old. Was Dylan baptized? Not yet. Well, see, then something to look forward to. You know, Pastor Marjorie, my wife, she was baptized as a young woman. And she remembers getting dunked in the tub and being brought out. Isn't that incredible? But yeah, this is a bathtub. And that's why I say, when you come up for communion, touch the water, give yourself a sign of the cross, and remember your baptism. And that's something you have looked forward to. Okay? So, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these waters. These waters you wash us in to never be dirty again. And we thank you for your son who comes to us in this time. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. All right. Guess what? Still have a whole treasure chest. Help yourself to something. You get one too. So many things to choose from. It's like the treasures of the world. Play-Doh. What a liberal mom lets a kid have Play-Doh. You know that stuff gets on the carpet? Oh, yes. I have a confession to make. I was reading an article connected to Columbus Day or Native People's Day, whichever. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. But I was reading this article connected to it, and it said, are you woke? Am I woke? So they ask questions. First of all, maybe the first question we all know. What were the names of the ships that Columbus sailed to the New World in the first time? Santa Maria. Very good. We all know that, right? Okay. How about, here's a little bit harder question. Who sanctioned this journey? Who was he sailing for? King and Queen of Spain. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. Very good. Now, here's the rub. What were the name of the people that he encountered when he landed in what is now Hispaniola? Boom, 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 boom. Anybody? No. The people. The name of the nation. The people. Dum, dum. It was the Tiano people. The Arawak nation. The Tianos. Um... At that time, in the Eastern Caribbean, there were approximately a half a million of the Tiano people of the Arawak Nation. And in 10 years, that number was just around 30,000. See, part of knowing the history of Columbus, and while Columbus was a, a very brave soul, had a wonderful idea, and he sold this idea to a farm because he was Italian, but he went to the Spanish to get sent. He was also a bigot, and he committed mass genocide among the native people. It's said that the Tiano people were so gentle that when they fought in battles, they used wooden swords not to stab, but to more paddle because they didn't want anybody to get hurt. But yet in 10 years, there was less than 
of their tribe left as the Europeans came from the New World. Knowing that, said, according to this article, makes me woke. Okay, now, there's other things, and before the governor shuts me up, one is uh, how the slave trade came into the United States. Now, it didn't end with the Civil War. It continued on. Anybody read To Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, read, I read it in eighth grade. I wrote book reports all through high school on it. Um, same book report, I just kept recopying and handing it in. Get an A in eighth grade, you can get an A as a senior too. Well, I got a B as a senior. But it explains the roots and the causes of racism. Another book which I highly recommend reading, and it really amazed me that I was a graduate student attending seminary, in my second year of seminary before it ever came onto a re reading list. Frederick Douglass's autobiography opens your eyes, opens your eyes, makes you woke. Another book I read, who read a grapes, The Grapes of Wrath? Anybody read The Grapes of Wrath? That's the other book I read. I read that one in ninth grade. I wrote other book reports on that one. Got A's on those. I wrote, read two books. I wrote book, actually I wrote two book reports. I just kept turning them in again. But The Grapes of Wrath, talks about how capitalism will take advantage of disenfranchised people. Because of the Dust Bowl, that there were large agricultural interests in California enticing people to leave their desperate situation to come to California, only to end up there to find out they were virtually slaves. Okay? It really lays it out. It's a very powerful book. But see, my point is, it's reading the expansion of history, all the things that really happened. And while, yes, we have a great country, we also have things that we need to know about it. We have those things that happened that we try to push under the rug because it makes, I've been told, it makes people uncomfortable. Well, I've learned these things, and I can tell you, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I will tell you what has made me uncomfortable. And that is wrestling with God. That has made me uncomfortable because that's not confronting the truth about our country or our culture or our society. That's confronting the truth about who I am. And how do I wrestle with God? Well, it starts right here, immersing myself in these pages. This is my Bible. You notice it's all bound together and there's writing inside, there's coffee stains inside, because wrestling can be messy. Now, wrestling with God is what Jacob does at the plains of Peniel. But just the fact that Jacob wrestled with God isn't enough. You need to know more of the backstory, more of the history of Jacob. Jacob has left his home 20 to 40 years before. Biblical numbers get a little fuzzy at times. When he leaves, he's being chased by his brother Esau who wants to kill him because Jacob has plotted with his mother to steal Esau's blessing as the oldest. Even though they were twins, Jacob, Esau was born first. He was the older by a few minutes. 
and the blessing went to the oldest son. But Jacob's mother conspired with Jacob because Isaac's eyes were so bad so that Jacob could steal the blessing. And when Esau found out, he was livid. And Esau was a manly man who went out and hunted, where Jacob was more of a thinker and a conniver. And Esau chased Jacob with the intention to kill him. And Jacob ended up at his uncle's Laban's. Now, Laban was a conniver. Laban was a con man. And Jacob and Laban contested on this sense of who could outdo each other, who could outcon the other one. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. She fell in love with Rachel. Laban said, work for me seven years and you can marry Rachel. Well, Jacob worked for Laban for seven years, raising his herds and tending his sheep. And yet when it came time to marry Rachel, they disguised Leah as Rachel and Jacob married Leah first. And Jacob was incensed. He says, I wanted to marry Rachel. He goes, well, it's not right that the older daughter should marry after the younger daughter. So he says, work for me seven more years. Well, Jacob also connived against Laban with how he would do things in raising the flock. Well, as the flock produces use or produces lambs and kids, there's an agreement that you keep the white ones and I'll keep the ones that are speckled or striped. And yet then he did things to make sure that more lambs and kids who were born were speckled or striped. See, they conned each other. They were constantly conniving with one another. Jacob finally decides he has to leave and Laban chases him because there's an accusation of something being stolen. But he gets to his homeland and he's going to confront Esau for the first time. His brother who was going to kill him the last time he saw him. And he's upset. He's scared. He's worried. So he sends all his family and he sends all his wealth, all his flocks across the river and he stays on the one side and the stranger comes and they wrestle and he wrestles with God. And I think it's very important that we take that time to wrestle with God. Maybe you've had a sleepless night or two in your life mulling over a situation. Maybe you were coming to terms with who you are or what you've done and what you now needed to do. Quite often, that's the wrestling with God. We know what we should do, and we know what we want to do, but yet what we want to do is not what we should do, and we struggle with that decision. Well, when you read the scripture, you begin to see descriptions of people in the scripture, and maybe you start to relate to those descriptions. You can see yourself, or maybe not yourself that you show people, but that self that you keep hidden away, that shadow self, those darker desires and those darker bits of yourself, but yet you see them described in different biblical characters. There is 
John the Baptist encountering the Pharisees in the wilderness, calling them a brood of vipers. And I remember reading that and thinking, well, Jim, you've been a viper. You've been stuck in tradition. You've been stuck in the way things are because you're comfortable with it. It's worked for you, but it's not working for others. You think that you're righteous because life is going well, and those others, maybe they're not really worthy. You brood of vipers, you viper. Wrestle with that one at night. Or maybe one or the other, or depending on your situation in life, both of the sons in this prodigal, the, this, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Maybe you were the one, as a young person, squandered things, only to have to go back with your hat in your hands. Or maybe you were more that other brother, the one who was so upset that his father forgave his ne'er-do-well brother that he couldn't even go to the feast, that he went out in the field. Does either, do either one of those relate? Maybe you're one of those people standing trying to stone that woman who's been caught in adultery. By the way, it was the woman. Where was the guy? Where was the guy in that story? Okay. But maybe you've been that judgmental, not recognizing your own sinfulness. Maybe you're like that woman in the well or known that woman in the well, a woman who was too smart for her own good. She was so smart and strong a person, she couldn't stay married because she didn't act like a good little wife he could. But yet Jesus had the longest dialogue with her of anybody in all the Gospels. Maybe you found yourself in those. It is in those wrestlings with God as we read the scripture where we have to confront the very worst of ourselves. And it's quite often that self that we have not shown anybody. In fact, sometimes until you start to recognize it, you don't relate to it. I remember learning that if somebody's personage bothers you, what is it about that person that bothers you? Because that might be a characteristics that you have and you don't realize it. And it was in the context of a Bible study and the person that bothered me in the Bible was Paul because Paul was surely so on all the time and so positive and right about himself and what he was doing. But then I really dove into Paul and I recognized there was a difference between the Paul of 1 Thessalonians, the first letter we have, the earliest letter we have of Paul's, where he had just been hit by those divine high beams and been blinded and he's all in, as opposed to Romans the final of Paul's letters that he wrote, where he has now done this ministry for years and he's a much gentler and more humble person who has those wonderful words about there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, no the powers or principalities. See, this is wrestling with God and I invite you all to do it.
because there's a wonderful reward in this. Well, first, there's a wounding. There is a wounding just as Jacob was struck by the stranger on the hip and he threw his hip out of joint and he limped to the rest of his life. Because when you start to recognize those different names that you could call yourself, whether that is ne'er-do-well or viper or adulterer or judgmental, all those different names you can call yourself, they are wounding. You recognize your faults. But then there's the blessing. See, the name Jacob literally translates as heal. Now, when I say heal, I don't mean this part of your body on the back of your foot. I mean the less flattering description of heal. Someone who is a con man, someone who is untrustworthy, someone whose word you cannot take as gospel. But God not only wounds him, but he changes his name to Israel. You have striven with God and overcome. God changes names throughout the Bible, whether God does it with Abraham, from Abram to Abraham, and Sari to Sarah, or Jacob to Israel. Jesus changes Peter's name from Simon to Peter. And Paul is transformed from Saul to Paul. It is through the power of that cross and the forgiveness that comes in that bath and what God has done for us that all those negative names that you've wounded yourself with as you've wrestled with God, as you've read through Scripture and related to it one-on-one -on -one, as it should be related to, that you recognize that those names get changed. And they get changed to forgiven and beloved child of God. Amen. So the, the song you have printed in your bulletin is not the one we are singing because I just thought this song was more appropriate. So I contacted George ahead of time and he's prepped the choir. So the words will be projected and I invite you to sing along. Please stand.
In Christ, you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. Living together in trust and hope, let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. you to be seated um, and for those of you who are tuning in we would like to hear your prayers too um, and these are three different ways that you can get them to us and if you let us know what your prayers are someone will lift them up for you um, next week I promise now as we have wonderful prayers there printed and I invite you to take them home and use them but I feel it's more appropriate that the prayers of the people come from the people. So we start with joys. Does anybody have a joy that they would like to share this week where you've been blessed by God, where you've seen God? Yes, joy has a joy. Thank you. <laughs> Last Sunday, I told you that Bob was going in to have his heart shocked back into regular rhythm. And um, he went on Wednesday for pre-op, and they said he was all set, come in on Friday. And um, we came in on Friday, and all of a sudden, the nurse, he was getting, he had gotten undressed and was in bed and the whole thing, and the nurse said, I'm going to have a strip done on him. So she called somebody else down, and they did a strip, and they said, hmm, 
I got to call the doctor because um, you're in regular rhythm. And um, she said, well, wow. And so they came down and they talked to him. And now he had been on, they had given him some new medicine. And hopefully that was going to do it. And it hadn't as of a week ago. That's why he was scheduled. And um, the cardiologist came down and said, you're in regular rhythm. You're a little slower than we'd like, where before it was really fast. And he said, so we're just going to cut your medicine back, but it seems to be working. And um, I said, that's because of all the prayers that went up for him. That's right. And I truly believe that um, that's why maybe in the future he'll have to have that done. But at this point, right now, he's in regular rhythm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there other joys? Raise your hand. Larry, you got a mic? Uh, yes, Pastor. I would just like to say that the Lord is blessing us. Um, we have a larger than normal turnout today. Reverend Marge, I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, yes, you do exist. There really is a, a Reverend Marge. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of people that we haven't seen for a while. Richard Koslowski, great to have you back. Um, you know, it's just, it's wonderful seeing people. Uh, Angel, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Sharon and everybody, I'm just glad that they're here. And thank you, Lord, for opening our doors to everybody because we love you all, and he knows that you're all welcome here. Amen. Amen. I saw a hand. Was it you, you? Yes. Well, I'm grateful for the fact that my, can I say, uncle visited from Uganda and then my other cousins from Massachusetts got together with Jeff and all our relatives in Friday and went to Gainesville. So we had a grand time. Oh, so it sounds wonderful. Such a wonderful thing. Yeah. You got it? Uh, I just found out this week that I am going to be a great-grandmother for the sixth time. And she's hoping it's a boy because the two girls drive her crazy. <laughs> yeah. and, and boys never drive moms crazy, oh. huh? Other joys. Yes. I just had a great week and a half with my kids up in Pennsylvania and my daughters, two of them. We went shopping. We went to eat. We never had a day that we went and spent today to, together, the three of us. And then I brought my friend Lois along down for a week, so I'm blessed. <laughs> and it's good to see you back. Pass it back to Alice. She was... Yes, last week I had asked for... Excuse me. Last week I'd asked for prayers for Mary Lou and for her surgery, and it was very successful. So thank you all. Amen. Wonderful to hear. Any other joys? Ah. Back, back, back. One of my co-workers, her little nine-year-old, was diagnosed with juvenile glaucoma. So she was beside herself. I said, we'll all say extra prayers for him. Well, she saw the specialist, and it turns out it's from allergies that he was losing his eyesight. So he's going to have adenoids and all that done, and he'll be fine. Wow. Wonderful blessings so, there. So, yes, 
definitely blessings. Hallelujah. Wow. Yeah, other joys. Okay, now the other side, the concerns. I've already raised up Betty Newman as, like I said, I visited with her yesterday. She is between worlds. And how long that lasts, we don't know. Um, according to Sue, she has her good times and she has other times where she's just all over the place. But I also want to raise up Sue because she is by herself caring for her mother and it is quite a burden to be caring for someone you love and especially in the, under these circumstances. So lift her up because she's feeling trapped in her home and um, she gets to get out very little. Uh, do we have, I'm, definitely Sandy is still home struggling. I know that the, uh, now the name slipped my head. The, he's been on hospice for a long time. Uh, slipped my, Hummels, the Hummels, yes, are both home. Are there other concerns that we'd like to lift up for prayer so that we can all pray together? Yes, Sandy. Let's pray for all the people that lost everything in this hurricane. Yes. They definitely need our prayers. Yes, there are four Lutheran churches in that area that have been damaged, one beyond repair. St. Peter's in uh, Fort Myers Beach has to be torn down because even though there's still part of the building standing, it's now not structurally sound anymore. And then three other churches that have received significant damage. Do you have a concern? Since you brought up the hurricane, pray for the adjusters. They're going to be climbing on roofs and going through houses and walking yes. around yards. That's what I'll be doing for the next 90 days. So pray for me especially, but all the adjusters. Yes. Yes. Of other concerns. Ah, yes. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, one of the grandchilds from the Mason family, where my husband belongs to, uh, has kidney operation. He's five years old. He has only one kidney, and that works only half. So he has a big operation coming up, and he's suffering since he's born. Okay. So and what's his name? I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. But okay. we think about him. Okay. And you know the beauty of it? God knows. God knows who we're praying for. So the boy who needs the kidney operation. Up at the choir. Uh, I want some prayers for my grandchildren that were in... Uh, down south, but everything was destroyed, and they've lost their homes, so they're in the process of trying to find a new place to live. And it's my granddaughter and her two young babies, and the husband, they're temporarily li living from one relative to another till they can find something, so I ask for prayers for them. And their names? Their last name Just is? Just the names, the good first names. No. Yeah. Taylor and James. Taylor and James. Yes. Okay. 
others, then let us pray. Good and gracious God, we lift in thankfulness all the joys that you pour into our lives, new births and new lives, a community that we can be together with and pray together with, and all the wonderful blessings for simple as, as meals on the table and roofs over our heads. We also lift up all these concerns, Lord, for those who need homes, those who will be working on helping them recover, and those who need surgery, Lord. We pray that your hand is in all of this, that you can touch and bless and encourage and help and lift up and help us to also be part of that agent of caring. We pray all this, trusting and hoping in the goodness and the mercy of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share a nice healthy sign of peace. There's sanitation stations on either side. So when you're all done shaking hands, clean up.
that's a good beginning. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I did a lot of thinking this week because there's a lot of stuff that goes on that you honestly have to say that it's divine intervention or it's real prayer that gets you going. So that's my point. But the thing is, why I tithe, why I give, why not? I woke up this morning. That's a blessing. I'm going to be a grand, great-grandmother for the sixth time. It's a blessing. We're all here to be together. It's a blessing. We, Suzette, had problems. Now she's healthy. She's getting a new house. Joy is walking around. We were blessed with George when we needed him the most. Why not? Because every one of those things, from the time we get up in the morning till the time we go to bed at night, it's a blessing. It's a gift from God. When I get really frightened and really scared, the only thing I know to do since I'm this high is go in my room and pray on it. I'm privileged enough to be in a church where it's more like family. We work together like we've lived together all our lives. If I'm not here, somebody else is there to do it. We are not divided like a lot of the places are. We're together. We're cohesive. We're all privileged enough to live in a country where so much was given originally by a 20-something-year-old man who gave his life. He didn't know we were going to be here 1,500 years later. But yet he gave it, and God gave us the privilege of having him start with the giving to forgive us. Even when I don't like myself, I know that God still loves me. I have three healthy children, 12 healthy grandchildren. They're all doing well. Yeah, we have our problems, but we're okay. And I'm going to be a great grandmother, like I said, for the sixth time. So why I tithe? I don't have a whole lot of treasures, so I try to give my time and my talent. And the thing is, you know what? I think I get more out of it than I give because I have the privilege of having a great parish family and some wonderful friends. That's why I tithe. Thank you. Let us pray the offering prayer as one voice. Gracious God, 
In your great love, you richly provide for our needs. Make of these gifts a banquet, a blessing, and make us ready to share with all in need. Through Jesus Christ, who sets the table for all. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death in the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with a church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. That was a little weak. Come on. We can get a, that's a big amen. 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 Thank you. So, now let us be so bold as to pray the words as we've been taught by our Savior. Our Father, Father in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We invite all to partake in communion here. Um, you can come forward and receive a piece of bread, which we then intinct or dip into either cup. The red liquid is wine. The clearer liquid is grape juice. Also, if you're still concerned about germs, we have individual cups set up in the back that rather than coming forward, you can go back. But like I said, all are welcome to participate. Please be seated.
God of abundant life, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road that we might serve our neighbors with joy. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. amen. And now, God who gives life to all things, meet you on your own plains of Peniel and invite you to get down and wrestle with God. And may your wounding be followed by a blessing. And may the Holy Trinity, one God, guide you always in faith, hope, and love. Amen. Amen.
Christ beside you.